response is this, that you and I would bear fruit. That we would have this life of dependency totally upon Jesus. And that's the first thing we want to kind of look at this morning. This, what does this life of dependency upon Jesus look like? Well, Jesus goes into a much larger picture of what that looks like in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. You see, Jesus is saying the condition upon your life is that you find your life in him. How do we know? How do I know that my life is coming out of the life spring of Jesus. Well, hold your finger there in that and flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Chapter 13, where Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a, a clanging symbol. I have not love, I gain nothing. But in verse 4, he gives us the definition of what Christ-like love looks like. What are those things that we are to be manifesting as fruit in our life, evidenced by the indwelling, incarnational abode of abiding with the Holy Spirit within us? And he says this, that love is patient and kind. So are you becoming more patient? Are you becoming more kind? More kindly in the way that you deal with other people. More kindly in the way that you deal together as spouses. More kindly as as parents and as children. As grandparents. Are you finding that your ability to help people because you realize they're as broken as you are? And they're in deep need of a Savior as you are in need of a Savior. And they are in the same standing as you of receiving the, the Savior so that you might be patient with them. Is your patience growing? Does your patience begin to resemble the patience of Christ? Think of how patient God has been with you. Is that the patience that you're exhibiting with others? Think of how kindly God has been towards you. Is that the kindness that you are expressing to others? Love does not envy and it does not boast. Are you... Are you finding that you celebrate when people have success? Are you finding that when someone conquers and has victory of something in their life, that you applaud them with great joy and with great freedom? The idea of boasting, do you find yourself feeling superior to others and so that you want to talk down to them and instruct them all the time on how to fix them without fixing yourself first? 
Or do we come to one another in humility and in comfort and with the words of redemption and words of building and words of lifting up and words of humility to one another as Jesus has done for us? When we think of our relationship with Jesus, he didn't come to us boasting. He came to us in humility. He didn't come to us rudely or proudly. He came to us lovingly and kind and with great patience. Love is not rude. It's not arrogant. It's not irritable. It does not seek its own way. It's not resentful. But listen to the positive side of what this looks like. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Is this the love, the fruit, that is beginning to bear in your life more and more and more? Because we find ourselves abiding deeper and deeper and deeper in the person of Jesus. You see, that's what Jesus is calling us to in these verses. From a, from a 30,000 foot view, he's calling you and I into saying, come, depend upon me. Put your life in my hands. Put your perspective of life in my hands. Put your dreams in my hands. Put your attitudes in my hands. Die to yourself and let me be your life. And what you will find comes from you is patience and kindness and joyfulness and peaceful. And your life will exhibit the life of Christ. And thereby knowing you are abiding in Him and He is abiding in you. And your life is dependent upon the life of God. Well, not only is our life to be a life of dependency upon Christ, but our life is to be a life of experiencing Christ. Jesus goes on from verse 5 and says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. You see, what Jesus is saying is that your life experience will be that of great joy. Your life experience will be that of great life. He plays an interesting trick with the language here when he says, um, ask whatever you want and it will be uh, whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This, these words here really are translated out in a much better way of saying, ask, because you're abiding in me, ask whatever you crave. You see what Jesus is saying? That as you and I abide in Him, our cravings, our desires, the things that we want out of life become His desires. 
His satisfaction. We begin to crave more and more and more and more of who Jesus is. And Jesus says, ask that what you are craving for and you will have more of me. When I think about all the distractions that come my way, whether they be mental distractions, relational distractions, emotional distractions, business distractions, and all of the things that would be, I would be tempted in to be distracted from this one truth. That Jesus would have me look at my life through the paradigm of belonging to Him and Him only. And from that paradigm, I have a promise that says, ask Whatever you want, because you will be wanting more of me, and I will provide more of me. Isn't that all you and I really need? Isn't that more than those around us? Isn't that what they really need, is more of Jesus in us? I think the last thing the world may need is more of me and me. Some of you have already had enough of me and me. What the world really needs is to see more of Jesus in me. What you need is to see more of Jesus in me. But make no mistake. The world needs to see more of Jesus in you as well. And it's from that evidence, it's from that revelation of being tied into the vine of Jesus that the world knows we belong to him. You remember what he said to us, right? You remember the words that Jesus left us. They'll know you're my disciples by the way that you know all theology. They'll know you're my disciples by the way that you are such a great manager of things. They'll know you're my disciples because you always choose the right and wise way. They'll know you're my disciples because you read the King James red letter edition with a zipper. They'll know you're my disciples because you belong to the wrong, uh, right denomination. They'll know you're my disciples because you have the right viewpoint on everything there is to have a viewpoint on. See, the list goes on and on of distractions of the way that we get distracted from the real truth of obedience, which is they'll know you're my disciples because you obey me in the way that you love one another. That the fruit of the Spirit is manifesting in the way that you as my body are loving one another by bearing the fruit of patience. By bearing the fruit of long-suffering, by bearing the fruit of humility, by bearing the fruit of seeking others before you seek yourself. And it's from that fruit that my Father will find glory. And when He finds that glory in the way that you're behaving with one another, ask whatever you want and you will have more of Him. Because more of Him is all that you will want. That is the promise of Christ in these verses. And the invitation for you and I to believe. And from that, The resulting thing is a life of fellowship with Christ. This is my commandment, verse 12. This is my commandment. 
This is not a suggestion that Jesus gives. This is not a, a hope that Jesus has. This is not a, a place of a paradigm shift that Jesus wants us to make. It is an order from the king of the universe. This is my commandment. No different than the ten that he gave in Exodus. No less important that the second person of the Trinity would say to you and me this morning, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How's it going? For me, it's a place of great repentance, of continual repentance. It's that place where I resonate with Martin Luther who said all of life is repentance. It's a place where I continually have to go on my knees before the Savior and say, Jesus, I need more of you. I'm craving more of you. Help me to love as you have loved. Help me to reflect that which you have given me to reflect. Maybe we struggle with believing that God could really love us just as we are. And that's where the trial comes in showing the way that you've been loved by Christ. When you read these words and hear what Jesus is saying to you and to me, He is eliminating the doubts that we might have that He might love us more than we've ever imagined, just as we are. The invitation to find your residency in Jesus is the place where it's unconditional. When Jesus beckons you and I to say, come, abide in me, reside in me, find your life in me, He's inviting you into intimacy with Him based on nothing more than His grace towards you. It's a place where we get mixed up often that somehow our life after Christ is the same as our life before Christ and the only difference is is that Christ has somehow covered our life after Christ and our life before Christ and I really don't have to change in any way, shape, or form. When we find our life in Christ, it is non-optional. We begin to change every day. We begin to look more and more and more like Him. We have to. And if we are not, then we must examine where are we seeking life. Because Jesus has invited you in to be his, to be part of him, to be biologically connected 
There can be no greater love, Jesus says, than than to lay down your life for your friends. No greater love. When the second person of the Trinity defines the greatest of love is laying down your life for his friends, and you realize it was that greatest love that he did for you, then you realize he loves you just as you are. And because he loves you just as you are, he will never leave you just as you are. But he will transform you into him. His character will become your character. His his way of seeing things will become your way of seeing things. His wisdom will become your wisdom. And his worldview, which is upside down than the flesh's worldview, will become your worldview. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friend, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, because all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You see, Jesus really did choose you just as you are so that you might not be left just as you are. But you would become just as he is. How do we begin to move into this? How do we begin to apply it? I'll give you three ways to begin to apply. One is this. As I said, for me, it's often a daily, hourly, semi-hourly event. But I'm trying more and more in the beginning of the day to do this one thing, to resolve to know anything other than Christ, or not to know anything other than Christ. Let me restate it. Resolve to know only Christ. Isn't that the cry of Paul out of Philippians, right? The only thing you want to know, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. More and more I find myself first thing in the morning saying, Christ, I resolve to know only you and fellowship with you. And from that, Lord, I reject anything that is not of you. I reject fear. I reject living in my own power. I reject living in my own worldview. I reject seeing others through only my own eyes. I reject these things, God, so that I might live for you, that I might live in you. I resolve, Jesus, to know nothing but you and your worldview and your person view and your view of money and your view of life. I want to be attached to you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. And I'm finding that whatever I ask in His name, 
He's saying yes. Resolve with me to know only Christ. Resolve with me to get up first thing in the morning and say, Lord, I die to myself so that I might live unto you today. Resolve with me, you might wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I die to the view of my spouse so that I might have the view you have of my spouse. Resolve with me today that you may wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I resolve to die to my view of people and live to your view of people. Lord, I resolve that I'll no longer live by my definition of fruit, but what your definition of fruit is. Second thing is you and I must distribute fruit. We must become a fruit factory. Don't you see what Jesus is saying? If you belong to him, if you and I are tied to him, then we are giving fruit all the time. We are always producing this fruit of the Spirit. We're becoming more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient. These are the things that are evidenced by our life being abiding in Christ. Then lastly, live as one who's loved. Live as one who is loved. It is the most uh, complex thing to grasp how deeply you are loved by God. We know so little of what it means to lay down our lives for other people. Maybe a soldier gets close to it. Some hero that's intervened between a car and a person, maybe they begin to understand it. But the reality is this, that no one could understand what it was to be the creator of all things and have all things reject you. And still in the midst of that rejection, That which is the very antithesis of who you are, death, when you are life. To become corrupted when you are perfect. To become flesh when you are pure light. To become something of mud that could be spat upon, that could be beaten, that could be bled, that would feel pain. When that was never an experience. To be the one who controls every atom in the universe. Who has the power by his spoken word to wipe everything out. And yet to patiently come and endure with you that you might reject him. And in the midst of that rejection, he says, I lay down my life for you and call you my friend. That's love. That's how much you are loved. And no one will ever love you that deeply. No one will know you more intimately. And no one will ever love you more fully. And when you and I can begin to believe that, that that is truly the promise of God, our lives will be transformed 
And as our lives are transformed and we give that love to other people, their lives will be transformed. And as their lives are transformed and they give that love to other people, those people's lives will be transformed. Pretty soon, the church will be transformed. Then pretty soon, the community in which the church resides, it will be transformed. And then finally, the world will be transformed by the love of God for the glory of God and the joy of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will be your joy. And we will be fulfilled. It's the one vine I never want to dig up. It's me transferring my roots into the ground of flesh, into celestial soil. And finding my life that comes from the river that flows from the throne of God. The promise of Jesus is this. If you will depend upon him... You will have more of Him. You will look more like Him. And you will bear much fruit. Let's pray.